All right. Hey, everybody. This is Seth here on Modern Da Vinci. I want to welcome you to our interview series. We are speaking with business owners, leaders, and experts uh, to see what can we learn, what inspires us, and especially think as we think about what matters to us in terms of leadership and how to grow a business. And today we're honored to have uh, our guest on, Barbara Stankowski, the president and CEO of Amtis. Uh, Amtis is a professional services and training company based in Orlando, Florida. And Barbara, thank you for being on. You're, you're approaching your 10-year anniversary with Amtis. What, tell us a little bit about Amtis and what it feels like to be approaching 10 years. Uh, unbelievable. Hard to think that it's been a 10-year journey, but mm. what a journey it's been. Uh, Amt- Amtis is, uh, as Seth said, a... Um, a services company. Uh, we started off focusing predominantly back in 2007 on um, training development, developing products for customers, uh, and doing a li- little bit of leadership development. And we've developed into a multifaceted company delivering executive coaching, leader development facilitation in one area, doing um, training and evaluation, doing the entire ADDIE model, analysis, design, development, implementation, and evaluation of products, both web-based, instructor-led, and blended solutions. And we do uh, business processing services as well as professional services. Um, Today we employ about 170 people located in 20 locations across 12 states with a revenue of uh, approaching $20 million a year. Um, not the way we started off, but um, it's been a great journey. <laughs> and uh, so, Barbara, those, those are impressive numbers when you talk about revenue and employees. And I've had the benefit of working with you now for years and kind of being able to watch this happen. What, what, what kind of growth has that been uh, over the past couple of years? Well, I, I tell everybody it takes five years to get traction, to get started. And the first five years were were okay, but somewhat dismal. I never thought I'd have more than 10 employees. Um, Mm. For the first five years, we averaged probably between five and 10 employees, making some years a little less than a million, other years a little over a million dollars a year. Um, And then we hit the five-year mark, and we just took off. Um, But, you know, if we hadn't been persistent and stayed the course, we never would have saw the outcome after five years. So those are those are two words, Barbara, that I think we I want to come back to, um, because, you know, folks who are listening to this, many of them are curious about what does it really take uh, to go from maybe starting something to a small company to one that's just ex- going through this incredible growth like you guys are. So I want to hold on to those two themes as we talk. But before we go too far into Amtis, I'm also curious um, just more about you. You truly had what I think is a unique career path leading up to uh, where you are now. Can you tell us a little, about, a little bit about that journey? Absolutely. I'm certainly not a young entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, uh, uh, the, the Small Business Administration calls me their encore entrepreneur, which just means I started when I was older than dirt. Anyway. Oh, um, <laughs> it sounds like I, a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I spent 28 years in the Navy, um, did a lot of interesting things in uh, information technology and training, and had the opportunity to focus on leader development training for the Navy uh, and looking at how to deploy that, uh, both leveraging technology and uh, instructor-led. Uh, 
that experience and that 28 years in the Navy was um, really fantastic and honed my leadership skills. I retired uh, out of major command where I was responsible for an organization of about 1,500 people located in 49 lo- different locations around the world. Uh, great experience. Um, I loved every moment. Um, I went from there to be a contractor working with, um, working in a variety of woman-owned small businesses. I did that for about eight years and just decided I really didn't like the business model. Um, hmm. I resented watching um, the owners get bigger cars and bigger homes and the majority of the people who gave up their intellectual capital um, didn't get a whole lot out of it, except for, except cer- certainly we had a job. I can't knock that, but I thought I'd like to do better and try and create a place where people could come do their best work, bring their minds to work, have a place where um, they could come to work and apply their passion and where I provided an environment that allowed them to do the best work and have their auton- the autonomy to do their best work. Um, so that was kind of the challenge, to, to create um, a place where, again, people could come do their best work, apply their passion, and be rewarded for it. So, you know, I, one of the next questions I wanted to ask you was, when did you really know that you wanted to start your own business? But I think you answered that. I, you used a very powerful word. You said resented. So this sounds like what you were observing in the way these other people were running their businesses just did not jive with your personal values. Exactly. And and at the time I had, um, I started the, the company with a partner who um, – uh, said, why don't we do this? And I said, why not? I'm 58. My kids are out of school. Um, I've got a Navy retirement. What's there to lose? Let's go do this. And uh, uh, so we did. And I have to tell you that I would, um, you know, Ken Blanchard talks about the situational leadership two model. I was a D1. I was wildly enthusiastic and not and didn't have a clue. I was unconsciously <laughs> incompetent of creating a business. Um, so it was a fumble and learn all along the way. <laughs> so what does that say? I mean, you think about that, and if you were to say to another you know, prospective business owner out there who's struggling to come up with the perfect plan, you know, as you reflect back on that, what, what would you tell them? Now, there is no perfect plan. There's, yeah. there's a learn and do um, Fall, pick yourself up, learn and do. Fall down, pick yourself up and do, and keep on going. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I, I think that's great insight because the reality is, you know, you, you already had a lot of great experience at that point, and yet it was still, you were going into the unknown. There, there was yes, just no absolutely. way to know exactly what was going to happen. And so, so, so go back, you know, think about when you were at that time, you're, you decided, okay, I'm going to go for this. I don't have anything to lose or I'm not afraid. What kind of goals were you thinking about? What kind of experience were you envisioning at that time? I would have just been excited if I could make enough to make my own salary and my partner's salary. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, enough enough to pay the bills and stay self quote self employed. Um, didn't have any great vision when we started. Um, well, no, that's not true. When we started, we thought, okay, we're going to do services. We don't need to have an office. We can work from home, mm. and we'll basically do staffing. So we'll be putting 
bodies into government offices, don't have to have an office, don't have to have infrastructure. If we need a place, we can rent a conference room for the day. Our first contract that we were awarded required us to have an office, infrastructure, <laughs> okay. and hire people. <laughs> okay, so you had to uh, throw out plan A and move right to plan B? <laughs> exactly. Amazing. Okay. And when I, if you can remember in that moment seeing that first contract and it said you have to have infrastructure, what did that feel like? Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's so, funny. So, so then it was all about solving the immediate problem, how to find an office, how to find furniture, how to buy computers, how to buy a server, how to install phones, had to hire people and get them to work. And so we did it. And was there, was there any moment in there when you thought to yourself, wait a minute, this isn't what I signed up for. Um, I'm out. Did that thought ever cross your mind? There were many times in the first few years that I thought, what in Lord, what, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, particularly when one day we couldn't make payroll and I had to take um, the checkbook for my line of credit on the equity in my home and write a $40,000 check to pay, cover um, payroll. Wow. Ouch. I'm listening yep. to you say that, and I, my stomach dropped. <laughs> it's stressing me out, and I didn't even have to uh, live <laughs> through it. <laughs> What did that so so there was something inside you that said, "Well, this is painful, but I'm committed." Well, we had a contract, we had a reputation, and we had people that needed to be paid. So, what else can you do? And I can remember thinking my financial advisor had had told me several years before that one of the best things to do to be sure you had access to the equity in your home was always to have a line of credit on it because you'd Mm -hmm. never know when you would need the money. And it was guaranteed that when you needed the money, you would be be unable to get it. Mm -hmm. And so I followed that guidance and, you know, took out a line of credit on my home, had never used it, had sufficient equity, I could write the check, and certainly the company has paid me back many, you know, has certainly paid me back for that. But yeah. <laughs> it was a little nail-biting at the time. <laughs> oh, I, I can imagine. And But, I, you know, I think that what you're sharing here is also something um, that it's the reality of being a business owner is um, can be very serious, very serious commitment. And you have to be prepared structurally. Like you said, you did the right thing and you had the infrastructure in place uh, to do that, but even just the guts, the fortitude to be able to pull the trigger in a moment like that. Um, I know you've been through other bumps early in the early phases of the company. I, you, know, you told me before you had a difficult situation with your partner um, and essentially told you he wanted to move on. What was that like? Well, he moved on and it was frightening because um, it ended up not being cordial in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, because to protect the business, um, I did take steps that basically um, removed him, uh, since I was the majority owner, removed him from the board and removed him from the company. Um, he was in charge of business development. Uh, he had, in my mind, been working towards uh, his own company, uh, kind of behind behind our back, and... 
um, you know, I called my financial advisor. My financial advisor said, look, this is business. Um, lock the doors. Change the locks. Hmm. And I thought, oh, my God, that's not like me. I can't do that. He said, this is business. You have employees and staff you also have to protect who are dependent on you for their jobs and their yeah. well-being. And um, it was probably the m- – I had more sleepless nights um, – it was the most difficult thing that I've stepped through uh, to protect the integrity and the of the company. Hmm. I mean, you, you used some you know some pretty strong words in there. It's frightening, you know, and and this idea of sleepless nights. And I don't think we're, we want to scare away uh, you know our prospective business owners and entrepreneurs out there listening. But I, I think it also tells the story, the truth. You would trust is foundational in business, and when that's broken with a partner, the the impact is significant. Both both professionally, but I think also personally. Right. I can remember sitting in my office several days later just thinking, oh, no, what do we do now? Um, I was not, you know, I had moved, relocated here to the Orlando area. I didn't know the Orlando um, clients that well. We had a few government customers. Um, I hadn't done BD and Capture. Um, I had to learn it, and I had to find someone that I needed to hire to take on that role. And luckily enough, relationships I had built, the network provided me some opportunities to interview a number of great people. We hired a great person. And by the next year, um, we hired her within two months of this change. And we uh, doubled in size the first year and have done so more than doubled in size every year since then. So... What looked like the darkest hour, the hardest time, the most sleepless nights um, um, produced a great result. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I mean, it just it goes back to what you said in the beginning, kind of that word of resilience is so key uh, to what it takes to get through something like this. I mean, was there a moment that you can remember? I mean, you just said, you know, obviously you kind of worked it through and just tried to figure out what am I going to do next and what do I need to learn? Do you remember a specific moment when you felt like you really broke through from that whole phase of the business? Well, I, I think just in filling that, that, that position for business development and, mm-hmm. um, and watching the ramp up and proposals going in and things moving and awards you know that first award afterwards that yeah, we're absolutely capable. We can we can do this, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, unbridled enthusiasm and and belief that we're going to succeed. Um, do you have that first contract in a frame somewhere that you can look at? <laughs> Actually, not. You know, it was because you win the first, and the question is, where's the next one? Yeah, right. No time to celebrate sometimes when there's so much pressure to keep moving forward. (laughs) Well, in a world that moves so quickly, um, there is no time to sit and put your feet up and pat yourself on the back. You're you're working the next proposal or doing the next best and final. Um, There's really no time for that. It's just you got to keep on getting on. Do you, do you, how do you, do you enjoy that feeling? I mean, I, I, I ask that I, you've worked hard, you've overcome these obstacles, you've forged your own path with this business and you talk about, you know, the, that kind of pressure that's constantly there, 
But what, what is it that's so fulfilling about being a business owner? What really drives you every day you get up? You, you have all these things that need to be attended to constantly, all this responsibility. So what is it that really drives you to push through that? I think my, if I can, can switch it just a little, my greatest yeah. joy is in going out to meet the men and women who work for the company who are incredibly passionate and excited about the work they do. Mm-hmm. And and are excited to be a part of a company where they believe that work is appreciated. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. to, to go out to the Navy Experimental Dive Unit and meet the CO's secretary who works for us, and to have everyone you meet in the hallway say, "This this woman runs the place. We wouldn't succeed without her. Mm-hmm. She's just tremendous." And to watch her excitement as she uh, introduces you to the people that she works with, um, you know, it it exemplifies two things. One, her passion, and two, the service that we're providing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just great. Or whether it's to go to the watercraft inspection branch of the Army and visit one of the Marine surveyors uh, who would spend all day taking you through every nook and cranny of that LCU that he he or she inspects daily with this wild enthusiasm about their work. Um, I I think that's what gives me the greatest joy and the greatest momentum. And and the greatest sleepless night that results from that is the fear of not being able to continue to provide those jobs and those opportunities. Ah, okay. So, well, so it's interesting. As you were talking about that, I'm thinking back to what you told me earlier, which was one of the things that drove you to to want to do this in the first place was being in an environment where you felt like there was no appreciation. And so that value... It really is still at the heart of what you do, what does motivate you every day. Seeing people who you do appreciate or they know their hard work is appreciated, that's what's driving you to move forward. But I hear the other side of it, which is that pressure that comes with it, the scary part. Well, uh, yeah. What if this goes away? Right. Because you're impacting lives. All of a sudden now, you know, I have 170 lives um, and livelihoods that um, I'm responsible for. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of, you know, packaging and caring and providing the best benefits I can for the dollar, in uh, letting them know what opportunities are there, in providing individual dollars for their individual development and encouraging them to use it, in um, uh, sharing profit with them so that they feel valued. Um, All of those things create the culture, and, and I think... Um, creating that culture and watching it and uh, trying to make it what the vis- match the vision is is a wonderful challenge. <laughs> That's the nice way to say it. <laughs> it's a, it is it's a challenge, but it's it's so in, at the heart of that, you know, you valuing your people. Um, just sort of a follow up question: as the company grows, you know, going from smaller and progressively getting bigger, getting up to 170. How do you as a leader stay engaged even as you, you know, geographically diversify and just keep adding people? Mm, I, I'm on the road a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. One, I travel a lot because the one thing I learned in the Navy um, that's always stuck with me is you can't underestimate the impact that you have as a leader and how important it is for, for people to have the opportunity to meet and spend time with you. And so I make it part of my 
responsibility to visit every every site and to meet as many of the uh, men and women who work for us as possible, uh, mm-hmm. to have relationships with them. We, we, we've also done things to enhance communications. We do a, um, a quarterly newsletter. We, we write thank you notes to folks to, to send our appreciation for a job well done. Um, but anything we can to foster the communications. I know that in most cases I don't control the work environment where many of these people live and work, whether they're supporting the government in CDC Atlanta or EPA Atlanta or FDA in Washington or Department of Labor. I don't control those day-to-day environments, but what's most important is that they that they know that the people here in the Orlando office are here to have their back, to help them to take care of any issues, to be sure that they're provided the best benefit packages, the best guidance, so that they can concentrate on giving their best to the customer. So I want you to know, when I was listening to you, I wrote down a quote that uh, I will attribute to you I like to use. You just said something simple. You can't underestimate the impact you have as a leader. So uh, I just thought that was fantastic. It's almost like a sales pitch for everything that uh, much of the work that you try to do and some of the things that you and I have worked on together because I think what you see is uh, leaders do underestimate the impact and and it shows up especially when you have a distributed organization. Um, People don't feel supported. There's not visibility. There's not appreciation. So sometimes it doesn't feel like real work to get out and – um, be visible, share your presence when back at the office you've got proposals and sales reports and everything else under the sun calling your name. So I guess you said that was a value that you got early on, starting with your naval career. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, and, and I'll often tell people, even, even my um, lower-level leaders never underestimate their impact and that whether they choose to be or not, they are a role model for the men and women who work for them. Yeah, right. Leadership comes from everywhere. It doesn't. It's not yep. positional. It's a. It's a presence. It's a mindset. And it's a choice. Um, but you know, I think people sometimes look around, asking, "Where is the leadership?" And sometimes the answer is, "Well, if not you, then who?" Right. Right. So, you know, earlier, um, one of the things I've admired about you, because you've, like, you've told your story, you know, you had to work hard for years to get things going, you had to go through setbacks, and we talked about this idea of persistence. Um, you know, I know for you, you've been dealing with sales cycles. You know, you've had opportunities that have dragged out for literally years. Um, when you think about being patient and resilient in the face of those types of challenges, I mean, how do you do that? How do you, how do you pull that off when there is so much urgency around you on a daily basis? I guess lots of practice because, you know, I, I, I think about when, when I retired from the Navy in my change of command speech, I said three things that I had learned in the Navy. Patience, because things always take longer than you think they should. Mm-hmm. Um, persistence, because you've got to keep pushing to get those things moved forward because they always take longer. So patience and persistence. And if you're working on something that you're passionate about, um, it can help you generate the stamina um, to maintain the persistence and the patience, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And those are, I think those are values that uh, sometimes in the business world or even just culturally today aren't quite as emphasized, maybe, as they have been in the past. 
um, you know, people are kind of looking for the what have you done for me lately and immediate results. So I've, uh, I'm, I took notes as you said that because I need to work on those. <laughs> Things well, and I lo- don't and come I overnight. Lo- and I truly love what I do. Um, you know, lots of, I, I could certainly be retired sitting at a beach, but I choose to be here because I love what I do. I love the people that I work with, and I, and I absolutely uh, enjoy getting to solve problems and learn something new every day. I think that's amazing. That's awesome. So, so here you are. So the company has really reached a, a new level of achievement, and yet there's still more ahead. So as you think about what's next, what gets you the most excited, or what do you think might actually be the next thing that really takes off for you? Well, continuing to grow. The next big step for us is planning and strategizing our successful exit from the government 8A program, mm-hmm. where we will no longer be a uh, um, you know, um, subject to being able to win sole source contracts or where we've won competitive contracts for our customer to come back and say, oh, we're just going to give this to you for the next five years because we love you, which is always very nice. But you graduate out of that program and you're, you're growing, so you're competing with larger and larger companies. It's really planning the path to figure out what do you do when you're no longer small? How do you compete in that environment? Um, and uh, how do you prepare? And so we've been working on our strategy and our plan and uh, capturing data in our scoreboard to measure our progress to help ensure that we are a successful graduate of the 8A program and not a failure as so many 8As are when they graduate and are not successful um, after several years without the support of that program. Mm-hmm. And when you so this is that's a big challenge when you when you think about that challenge, what, what's the emotion that goes along with it? Fear again. Fear's okay. a great driver. No. <laughs> well, it's an honest answer. Yeah. I think it's an honest answer. But you're right. Fear can motivate us in different ways. So it's a, it's scary. But I also kind of hear in your voice a confidence. Um, you've been preparing for this for a long time. You you know what you're you know what you're going to try, and you can lean on your successes and what you've learned from the past. And we and we talk about it. You know, it's not it's not um, me sitting in the office contemplating this. I've got a great team of people, and you know, we get together on a regular basis to talk strategies and direction. And um, in each one of the four areas, I have very key people, and I try and treat them as if they are running their own small businesses as well, um, and growing in that capacity so that. Um, whatever happens to Amthus, they will have had the experience and developed um, their own plate of business that um, maybe they can go out and start their own company. We also support a variety of other small companies and a lot of people who are trying to start a small a small business or grow their small business. So you you know obviously another value clearly that you have is giving your leadership team the freedom, giving them the opportunity to run with their own style and decisions. And I, <clears throat> I, just, I think that's important because, as you know, a lot of our clients off, uh, will often see leadership as having to have all the answers. So that opportunity to rely on your team, not only does it benefit you, but it also gives them the capacity to think about what's possible for me. What can I, what right. can I do? And, and I frequently tell them, I don't have all the answers. I've never built a $20 million a year company before. I've never built a company before. 
So this is all new to me, just as it is to you, and we've got to put our best heads together to figure out the way ahead. Sure. <laughs> well, there's a, there's, it's an honest uh, way of looking at it. It's, uh, another thing we see in leadership is, you know, when a leader is not uh, authentic, um, people see that. So your willingness to tell the truth about what you perceive, I think, is something that's one of the, re- one of the many reasons why your team there has so much respect for you. Um, now, you know, you just talked about helping other companies. If you, uh, you know, we have people listening here who are thinking about jumping into business or maybe, again, they're a new entrepreneur. You've already covered a lot of great things that you'd want to share with them, but if you were going to tell them one thing, what would you say to, to encourage them? Persistence. Yeah. It, take, it takes time, um, and you can't be impatient. And, you know, learn from every mistake or every misstep and just continue on. You know, adjust your direction as appropriate from what you learn. And do you, when you were going through that, just a side question, did you have support network for yourself? Did you have people there who you could, uh, you mentioned you had a financial advisor who gave you good advice. I mean, how did, who was there to help you uh, when things did get difficult and you were saying, okay, I want to be persistent, but gosh, I feel like I'm out here on my own. I think that one, I clearly um, had a long-term relationship with my, my two financial advisors who I, I talk with frequently. Um, I also joined a CEO group when um, uh, Amptis was selected as a Florida company to watch in 2012. I got a scholarship uh, out of that program to join a, um, a CEO uh, nexus um, group here in the Orlando area. And, you know, we meet once a month. That collaboration has been very helpful. Um, and I certainly um, spend time talking with other business owners who um, are a little further along than I am in in the journey. Uh, that's that's great. I just I, I know I know you've had some resources like that, and I know for a lot of folks, when you feel like you're out on your own, it can it can be a lonely place. So uh, you know, having a whatever it is, some support, coach, mentors out there can make a big difference for someone who's especially kind of new in the game. Right. So and, and I will also say, you know, there, there are within each area, whether um, I, do, I do a lot of speaking at conferences for the, the um, uh, small business development centers uh, at, that are part of the SBA. Um, uh, colleges have the PTACs that are available to provide guidance and assistance. Um, a lot of the colleges have entrepreneur centers um, to help encourage small businesses. All of them are great resources, and I just recommend that individuals reach out to their local area to see what's available and use everything you can. So, so Barbara, we're coming to an end here. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do want to ask you one last question here. Um, <clears throat> and it's related to this theme we're talking about, you know, getting support for yourself, but also this philosophy that you have in terms of I've got a company, I want my people to be empowered, um, I want to invest in their professional development. You, that's your mindset. I already know that um, from you that you do take the time and you put energy and resources into providing training, providing coaching to your staff. Why, why is that so important? I know that's something you've always valued, but why do you feel like it's worth your energy and time and resources to provide that for the people in Amtis? 
Well, I think it's part of my deal with them. I, I can't always, in government contracting, I can't promise an employee um, forever employment. What I can offer them is good work at a fair salary with good benefits and an opportunity to learn and grow so they can always be adding bullets to their resume so they're always employable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so to me, that's my commitment to each and every member of the team. And, and I mean, that's fantastic. I just, you know, we see so many business leaders that we work with who professional development, again, it doesn't seem to be on the list of work to do. It's a nice to have if you can fit it in. And yet what I'm hearing from you is it's literally part of the core agreement you have with everybody who works with you there. And I find it amazing, Seth, at how few people take advantage of it. Yeah. And yeah. so we, we, we are really um, rolling out this year um, an aggressive initiative for individual development plans um, that are the responsibility of each employee and re, re, you know, um, reemphasizing the fact that we have dollars there for them to help support them if they want to get a PMP. I don't, I don't care what profession they, want, they choose or that they're working in. The goal is for them to be the best at what they do. And whatever certifications or education will help them to be the best, we want to help them, whether it's a PMP or a records management certification or a mailroom operations certification, uh, we'd like to help them get that. It helps them, and it helps the reputation of AMPTIS in terms of having a highly qualified, capable staff. Absolutely. Well, Barbara, this has been fantastic. I always learn a lot when I talk with you, um, and I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this. I'm going to I think I'm going to make a little plaque here uh, and, again, give you attribution. You can't underestimate the impact you have as a leader. I, I don't know why that's standing out to me so much, but I think it's meaningful. And um, what we're going to do is we'll post a little page to go with the interview so anybody uh, who'd like to see your information, learn more about AMTIS, uh, contact you if there's ways that they think you can help them. Um, we'll put that up. And okay. uh, otherwise, I want to thank you again and uh, look forward to staying in touch and working with you hopefully for many years to come. Absolutely. It's been always a pleasure to work with you, Seth, so thank you very much for this opportunity. All right. Well, thanks, Barbara, and thanks, everybody, for listening.